everyone to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm also the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. We have not only the radio show, but we have a resource website, um, a YouTube channel, a blog, and we also do dementia chats, which are video interviews uh, where I interview the true experts, and those are the people living with the disease. Alzheimer's Speaks was really created um, out of a need from our family when my mom was diagnosed with dementia, and um, we just felt like we didn't we didn't have the resources that we felt should be there. And so Alzheimer's Speaks was created to raise everyone's voice and hopefully connect them to services all around the world that they can tap into. And we really see ourselves as an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to help shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe that by sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, we can change the world one person at a time, one family at a time. And we know that that is working because all of your likes and your clicks and your shares with your spheres of influence, your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest peeps, your Twitter tribe, um, every time you push some of our content out, you are raising awareness. And for that, we really thank you. And that has gotten us um, acknowledged by Oprah as a health hero for 2018. Maria Shriver recognized us as a architect of change. And Dr. Oz and Share Care recognized Alzheimer's Speaks as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's. And we did not do that alone. You know, so pat yourself on the back for being part of our tribe and spreading the word and working together and being collaborative because we really think collaboration is the only way we're going to win this battle anyways. We also want to open the door to any of you that are listening because maybe you might be interested in being our next guest. Maybe you're living with the disease or you're thinking you could have the diagnosis but are too scared to go in yet. Maybe you're a family member caring for a loved one or a business professional that has a service, a product, or a tool. Maybe you're a researcher, an author, a singer, a songwriter, a film director, an advocate. Everybody is welcomed uh, on Alzheimer's Speaks. So just reach out to me at alzheimerspeaks.com. There's a big contact me button and um, just shoot me an email and we'll have a conversation. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I always like to give a shout out to uh, some of our, our friends. And first, I want to mention, uh, in case you're not aware of the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, you'll want to check them out. They do great work and they really take a holistic approach to the disease. They really focus on nutrition and exercise and meditation and things that you can implement in your everyday life, which is really nice. The American Senior Magazine, which has a wonderful um, magazine that comes out with large print and great articles, and there's some games and things in there, but it's uh, it's just a really fantastic um, magazine that you, you might be interested in getting, and you can get a discount if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com. I want to give a shout out to Maria Shriver for her women's Alzheimer's movement known as the WAM. She also does Move for the Minds, which is going to be coming around again in June and the dates haven't been announced in the locations, but I will let everyone know as soon as as soon as I know. Also, the Purple Table Reservations Program, which is really cool. If you have not seen that, um, check that out. Uh, it's, a, it's just kind of in its infant stages, but they are really motivated to get restaurants um, educated to help people with dementia. 
in a very discreet fashion so that they're comfortable and still being out in our communities. And then our memory cafes, people are always asking me, you know, where do I find one? Just go to memorycafe.com and you will uh, find a, a beautiful list put together by calendar cards there. And the last thing I want to mention is the um, Neuro Film Festival. The, the deadline is coming up March 2nd to submit your video. And we have a link for that on our on our blog as well as our website. So feel free to take part in that. Now today's guest I am excited to have with us is Barbara Kirby. And she, and she brings 25 years of experience in elder care and the study of aging um, to us today. She was a caregiver for her mom and dad through a 15-year journey. And she was really shocked to see how poorly a lot of seniors were treated. And for her, you know, like many of us, that was uh, made a big impression and, you know, was life changing. And so she left her investment career and started a private business called Later Life Planner. And she's a, a navigator and advocate for people kind of going through those later life phases. And so we are just thrilled to have her with us. And she's going to talk a little bit about her book as well that can help families raise awareness in terms of how do you, how do you live in those and uh, end life years better. How do you plan for it? So welcome, Barbara. How are you today? Hi, Lori. Very good, thanks. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. Um, now you are in, is it British Columbia? Is that where you're at? Yes, on the West Coast. Okay, Canada. okay, wonderful. Mm -hmm. I've heard it's beautiful there. I have not been there yet, but. It is. <laughs> up here <laughs> it's our little Shangri-La <laughs> well you know one of the questions I always ask everybody and that's a guest on our show is have you ever been touched by dementia with your own personal family or, or friends yes I have and uh, absolutely shocked when it happened I was completely unaware and unprepared yeah it was uh, it was uh, well life-changing of course mm-hmm yeah. Okay. Um, can you tell us, you know, in your intro, I said you were kind of shocked to find out how, how poorly, you know, sometimes how seniors are treated uh, later in life. Can you tell us a little bit more of, of what got to you to become a, a planner and a navigator? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, of course, there were many incidences that happened in my own family between my mom and dad. And it was my mom that was um, that had uh, Alzheimer's. I was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And um, uh when, uh, but dad was the first one to go into residential care. He had a brain injury. And uh, so uh, it was just, I, <laughs> one of the very first things, I'm going to tell you this experience I had, one of the very first things I saw when dad went into a residential care home, I came to have dinner with him his second night he was settled in there. I walked into, into the uh, dining room and the residents were having um, were fighting and they were throwing cutlery and there were tables being turned up. It was like a massive barroom brawl. It was really uh, odd and it was frightening and all the staff were standing around watching and not responding and a little bit, some of them were kind of laughing and now mind you, this was, this was 15, 20 years ago. Okay. So I've had a long journey here, but, um, uh, you know, it, there's still many, many things going on. So I, I walked in along the side of the wall and got my dad and pulled him out and I changed care homes for him the next day. Um, this was his first experience in a, in a residential care. And the next one we went into, he was there for 15 years and I was, ran, was on the family council and uh, it was a very good home. But there was one person there who um, had a position of power and she was a actually a... Uh, a union shop steward nothing to say about about unions it's not about that but it's about a person being in a position of power that was able to um 
abuse people, psychologically uh, bully people. And, uh, uh, and she was able to get away with it. I, you know, I won't go into the details, but eventually I did talk to the care home and we were able to make an arrangement where uh, she didn't go into dad's room to protect her and then to protect dad. But, um, you know, there were so many things that I saw uh, in residential care uh, where, where people were just being neglected. They were being shoved into, uh, you know, the TV room and all plugged in front of a television watching shows that were not appropriate for people who were um, at that stage of life. And, uh, you know, just so much disregard. There, there's a lot that goes on. Yeah. Well, that had to really um, shock you that first home. I mean, I, I would have just been in tears. I would have been, I would have been livid and I would have been in tears going, I can't believe this is even yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, it, <laughs> well, I was, I was shocked and um, I still didn't believe it was real, I think. And that, but, you know, I moved dad out uh, immediately. The next day they were able to get him into a home, as I say, that was actually very good. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, some, some residential care facilities have an open door policy and they're open to change and to listen to what the problems are. And then there's others that have a closed door policy and um, you go to approach them and they're immediately on the defensive. And mm -hmm. I experienced that with my mom when she went into residential care. And uh, uh, it, it was just like night and day, these two different uh, facilities or residential care homes. Um, so that was a learning experience and we had several uh, situations happen there for my mom. I ended up reporting them twice to licensing and eventually the case manager for the health authority said, oh, you want to move your mom? <laughs> yes, I've been trying for two years. <laughs> and they moved her to a new home. Um, uh, but uh, and it was better it was better but through that 15 years I certainly learned a lot about how to advocate and um, um, you know you can't be on your on your high horse and threatening and blaming other people it's you've got to get rid of that blame game and it's got to be focused more on on um, understanding that the people that are doing their jobs are stressed they're overworked underpaid some in some cases um, not recognized as well you know and then of course there's cutbacks and and it's just so it's really hard from their side too so I find that if you really approach it as um, you know approach the staff from a business perspective when you're dealing with the director of care and that you know when you really want to solve the problems uh, of course when you're dealing with the with the um, care aids and whatnot it's nice to form a relationship with them where you can trust and and share some of your concerns on a personal level yeah yeah it, it is a tough thing to maneuver um, and it's tough to know because when you go on tour you just assume that everything is in its best because you're on tour and you know they're kind of standing on guard and they've been notified yeah. that somebody's coming through and is that the real is that the real deal yeah you know, exactly exactly and you know I'll say give it the smell test mm -hmm. <laughs> you know look at the expressions on the residents faces mm -hmm. um, you know look at their how they're dressed you know, these are more things that, that um, you know, the staff have a little more difficulty hiding. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, yeah, I think that's, and if you can ask the odd person, but you know what, people are often afraid to speak out uh, for fear of retribution. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's tough. And so, you know, now we're really talking about aging in place and, and uh, changing that from, from residential care to staying in your own home. And that comes with, with its all, you know, a whole load of its own issues too, of course. Yep. But, um, and that's, uh, and that's where my planning comes into play, you know, mm -hmm. where I, I talk about, um, about planning and, um, I'm looking at, um, people from the age of 70 to hundred plus nowadays, right? But, um, and 70 to hundred plus healthy, feeling healthy and not necessarily needing the healthcare system. But um, I like to walk people through what are the things to look out for and um, how, do you, how do you maneuver when 
when things have come up, you know, like that your mom has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or, you know, um, for some reason dad has to go into a care home and what do you do then? You know, um, what are the barriers? Or if, if mom or dad are at home, what are the services that are available? And, you know, unless people are doing the research or they're talking to, um, you know, maybe a case manager too with the health authority, um, uh, you don't know. You just don't know what the services are out there, and um, and there's not a lot of people like me out there. So I'm sort of like the the uh, travel agent of, mm -hmm. of uh, for people for care and housing and and uh, later life planning. You know, I think in the U.S. you have you have more people that are doing this, mm -hmm. but there's not so many here in in Canada. So, um, but I I built the business uh, truly based on what my own experiences were the barriers and the gaps that I saw and when I really could have used help and and there was nobody there and mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then of course everything else that I've learned along the way like uh, just choosing who's going to be your legal representatives uh, you know many times people will choose them uh, just based on well it's my oldest son or my oldest daughter well that's a big mistake for many, many people, unfortunately, because mm -hmm. they may not have the same values as you. And, yeah. um, and so really I base my, my, my planning tool on, on it's a values based method of, of working through um, planning your later life and really yeah. getting to know who you are and what your needs are, what your values are. Yeah, that's very important. I know when we did it with my folks, my dad, um, like yours, had a brain injury. He, he um, actually had um, brain cancer. And then my mom um, had dementia. And they didn't really, you know, think that they needed all that. They said, well, we don't have that much. And I said, you both have a life and that needs protecting you know, so we, we need to talk about this stuff. And so um, my husband and I ended up going hand in hand with them and did the same, went through the same process. So to take a little of the scary out, and yeah. I'm a firm believer, I mean, we should all be doing this when, as soon as we become legal age, we should have powers of attorney and healthcare directives. And yeah. we're so afraid of those conversations. And that really needs to change. You know, that we need to get educated about diverse situations that could hit us or our family or our friends so that we are prepared. Um, and I, I think in the U.S. here, it's gotten a little better where people are more open to maybe taking a tour of a place, you know, or going in for some education where, oh gosh, years ago, I mean, they thought you were going to tie them up until they signed the paper to come on in. I mean, it was... Yeah. You know, really, literally 30 years ago, that's kind of the mentality. But there's, I think there's more educational programs available to people um, in different formats. So, you know, they can listen to a show like this or, you know, they can find information online. Um, but again, you still need to know what's what's available in your neck of the woods, you know, yes. when, it, when it comes to physical health, if it's getting home health care, if it's a support group, you know, if it's moving into some type of community and people need to realize that it is, it is okay. And someone's not going to hound you if you meet with them, you yeah. know, yeah, um, and just lay that groundwork, you know, that I'm, I'm just educating myself right now. Um, <clears throat> and you know, go from there. Very important. And so uh, in some of my workshops and training, I'll do this. Um, I've got a little chart that um, because the whole thing is to empower people to make their own decisions mm -hmm. and the more they know that these are the things that they have to look out for or that are trigger points where they can make their decisions um, it, it, it enables them and it empowers them and so for example you know a checklist of, of um, am I still okay to do my my grocery shopping do I still like cooking do I still want to clean and it doesn't mean that that you're falling apart because you want I mean I like to have a housekeeper <laughs> but you know um, I think if you if they're more aware of, of those particular items those particular trigger points like cooking mm -hmm. Cleaning and, and um, shopping, uh, paying bills, um, uh, keeping appointments. Um, it gives them the opportunity to say, hey, do I want to bring somebody in to help me do this? 
Mm -hmm. Or do I want to, maybe I'll go into uh, independent living because I just hate cooking and cleaning and, you know, they can take mm -hmm. care of that and I can do my other stuff. Or yep. then, you know, trigger a conversation uh, with your daughter or son and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think I should, what do you think we should do? You know, and, and uh, I think it's really important if you have family, if you can share how you're feeling as well and your thoughts with them then um you know it becomes a more collaborative effort and takes the pressure off of the kids because they don't know you've even been thinking about it perhaps yeah it opens up the door it opens yeah. up the door so yeah well and it's a it's a can be kind of a scary time I know when I used to sell real estate for 25 years and so I would kind of help people through that process and what I would find was that a lot of people were thinking about it but they didn't mention it to anyone not their kids right. not their friends and I didn't realize how <clears throat> deeply ingrained that privacy was yeah you know with people yeah. until I did a um, uh, I don't know I did some kind of presentation at, at a townhome for a new builder in town and, you know, we were just going to do this presentation and then half hour conversation, Q&A, and then leave. And like three hours later, everybody was still there and they wouldn't leave. Yeah. And when what we found was that <clears throat> everybody in the room had been contemplating it, but nobody had talked about it to others. And they were shocked how many other people, and some of them were their friends sitting in the room <laughs> listening yeah. to the same presentation thinking about the same things, but they never discussed it. And they were, I mean, it was almost like a, it was almost like a support group for them. <laughs> I uh, love liter it. Literally, because they felt so much more comfortable because they used to think, well, how did somebody just up and move and make that decision? And it's like, they're like you, they've been contemplating this for years. Yeah. This and you think been, about moving to down. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. It's, it's, there's, there's, there's so many issues and, and people, you know, they don't want to give up their independence, but yeah. bottom line is people only move to create more independence, you know, to maintain exactly. what they have. It's not about giving it up. It's really about gaining. Yeah. Um, but society has twisted some of that on yeah. us in terms of how we look at things. And, and just because we can't do something anymore or we don't want to, doesn't mean we're less than. Exactly. It just, it just means we're different now. Exactly. Well, I, you know, for example, um, I heard this video the other day and they were talking about um, uh, when my children were babies, I was a certain type of person. Mm -hmm. When my when my children are teenagers, I'm a different person mm -hmm. and I, I can manage my children differently. And we can look at it the same way as, as adult, as uh, midlife and, and uh, later life. You know, we manage our lives differently. We, ha we have to look at things differently. And so, for example, I see this um, major sort of paradigm shift going on. Uh, we can use this as an example where, um, you know, for years people have been planning their later, their retirement planning, mm -hmm. and it's all been financial. And, um, you know, it's all about financial planning and your legal uh, documents and this sort of stuff. Most people try to focus on that before too late, before it's too late. Well, now, after, you're, after you finish putting into your RRSPs or your uh, whatever you call them down in the U.S., mm -hmm. Uh, you your retirement plans, plans. Mm -hmm. yeah once you you know you reach a certain age you're not contributing to those anymore so much so now you have to think about your health care and about your well-being and that's where your focus should be is on your well-being mm -hmm. because your money is your money you don't you know like you don't let it go you've got a good broker or bankers, possibly, you know, whatever you're doing. Also, you need to think about the cost of care and the cost of housing and those sort of things. And, and I can help people with that, work through that as well. But really, the most important is your well-being from that stage of life on. And it is important because if, if you don't take care of that and if you don't understand who you are and what your values are, then nobody else is going to. Mm -hmm. And you need to uh, create your own voice and have people who are going to be a voice for you. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be family members. It can be friends. It can be church. It can be your your professionals that you've worked mm -hmm. with for years. It's surprising where you, where you can draw those supports from. 
and um, but you know I think that people really need to shift the way they think and um, you know uh, drop the egos <laughs> mm -hmm. you know that's a really big issue I think for people you know is, is feeling that well I'm independent I can do this myself but I, I use a term called radical collaboration where at some point you need to say hey okay I need people to, to work with me on this yeah. and uh, it's not that you're giving up and it's not that you're you can't do it yourself uh, well yeah. you know but it's easier with help it's easier yeah. with help so um, yeah so that's sort of where and I've written a little bit about that in, in my book and, mm -hmm. and um, let's see what else have we got here yeah anyway well and I, I think it's important to understand we're, we're better when we work together you know, we're, we're yeah. stronger. And I think a lot of times people think that if they can't do something again, they're less than. No, they're just different, you know, and they can still, you're still in relationship. I think a lot of times we, we forget about our relationships. I, I think that's evident in our world today. Um, you know, we don't appreciate other people. Um, yeah. to the extent that we used to. And, you know, when you were talking about how people would take care of, you know, their, their financial planning, those are all tasks, you know, yeah. and they're, they're not anything that you have to really get too emotional about. Mm -hmm. But then when you talk about well-being and who are you and what brings you joy and how would you like to live your life, okay, now you got to really think. And, you and can, that's so difficult for many people. Yeah, and you and and some people view it as well. That's being selfish, you know. If I if I want that, and it's like it's just living smart. It's living yes. well, and yes. and all of us deserve that at all different ages. Um, but I think getting to the crux of what makes you happy, what brings you joy, um, no matter if you're living independently or if you're living in community or if you're getting services in, those are important things to know. Yes. Yeah. Those yeah. are really important things to know yeah. and for others to know about you. It's equally as important as exercise you know when mm -hmm. you're thinking about the mind and the emotions and the, and uh, your feelings and and uh, you know going within you also you know we think about our exercise and everybody says well you know if you want to live a long life you have to exercise and eat healthy you do but you know it can't exclude this other side as well because when you are um, less mobile and depending on other people, you need to draw from your strength within, and mm -hmm. you need to know what that is, and 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 um, have given it some thought already. And humor, mm -hmm. humor is very very important. We need to be able to see the the absurd, the crazy, the funny, the you know, all that sort of stuff. And 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 the other thing too, even when you are in care. Um, you can support others that are with you. You can, you know, you you can support your peers and and uh, you know, I, I one of the articles I wrote though uh, is called "Alone in a Crowd," and it's where you know people um, may not be able to communicate, and there they are all together, like maybe because they don't hear well, or maybe because they speak a different language, or or they're experiencing dementia, um, you know, and it's much more difficult for people to communicate. So. So what do you do, you know? Um, and what I found is that, you know, you could be sitting beside a, another woman beside you and, you know, just touch her on the arm and say, hey, see that nice little kit kitten over there, that cat, isn't that pretty, you know? Like, there's ways to communicate without being verbal, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, understanding somebody else's um, um, feelings, where they're at. And, and I think touch is really important and, and acknowledgement. Yeah, I think it, um, you hit on a good, good um, piece there because it, it, we do, most of our communication is nonverbal if we know it or not. We're so used to yapping, but we're reading all the other signals. We're looking into somebody's arms crossed, you know, you know, is, are their lips up or down? Do they have a glint in their eye or, you know, are yeah. their, their eyes, you know, kind of squished and they're mad, you know, what, you can read so much. And I think one of the things that is nice, um, I think more people are aware of that as they age because they're, they're just more in tune um, and learn things over the years. Um, and I think as we age, I mean, I know my hearing and my sight aren't what they used to be. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I need the bright lights and I hear my mom, you know, saying, how can you do your homework in the dark? You know, and <laughs> now I get that where it wasn't dark, you know, yeah. or yeah. multitasking or doing, doing things with loud noises going on, music in the background. And it didn't phase me and it drove her bananas. Yeah, you know, yeah. because we were different people. Um, but, uh, you know, having an appreciation for that, um, I think so much more or not having to be as fast paced. Yeah. You know, I, I think as we age, we there's so many gifts that can be taught other generations and that we can just relish. Uh, for me, I'm pushing 60 and I, I like my quiet time more than I've ever liked my quiet time. Yeah, I I like, you know, I I just I really I I revel in that. And that would be important for me to know if I'm going to make a move or if I'm going to hire services in my house, you know, what I want my atmosphere to be like. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's, you know, how I like the lighting, um, what I like to wear, what's comfortable, you know, to me, um, what time of day I like to do things. And these are conversations we don't have. No, that's right. And, and I think it's really important to write all of this stuff down. And I have a personal planning guide and resource book. And all of this information should be written in that book so that um, your family knows all these little idiosyncrasies about you that you never talk about, mm-hmm. you know, you, and even with chronic illnesses, or if you've had um, a shoulder injury, and it always hurts to lay one way, when you lose your voice and can't speak anymore, and people don't know that you can't raise your arm up high, mm-hmm. or that you can't lay on it, you're going to be in pain all the time. So yep. these things need to be written down. And they're the most, what you think are little innocuous things, write it all down. And um, uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention too is uh, some people are uh, introverts. I mm-hmm. happen to be an extrovert. I bet you are too. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a split on that one. <laughs> I'm learning about introverts and I realize that they gain their energy from being alone. They draw their energy mm-hmm. from being alone and, and being with people or in crowded places. They can take in small bits, but even sometimes it's not necessary. But we jump to the conclusion that they're lonely. We jump to the conclusion that they need to be with everybody yeah. In a crowd, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so again, uh, you know, having this written somewhere uh, is very, very helpful for the staff and for, and for family members too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah. And, and I think for the person, let's say, a person with dementia, to know that that's in writing, to know that that's been communicated, uh, you know, I would think would give them a sense of peace. Yeah, knowing that they haven't left that for others to figure out, you know, because really they're simplifying the process for others as well. Yeah. um, As hopefully securing a better life for themselves as the disease would progress. Yes. And, you know, one of the, um, I can't remember who it was on dementia chats. I I think it was actually Susan session who has since passed, but she talked about um, how people always like to weed and clear things out. And, and she said, but what you have to remember with a person with dementia is everything you toss has a memory attached to it. Mm-hmm. And they're already yeah. losing those memories. So she, for example, wrote on the back of everything where she got it and why she loved oh. it. Oh, that's a beautiful thing to do. That's- yep. And so, you know, story for everything, isn't it? I, yeah. And so, again, it's, it, sounds, it sounds really simple. And for some people, oh, I don't have to do that. But if, if, you, if, if your memory or your brain is declining, that's a really cool thing to do. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And, and not only for you, but for your family. Yeah. You know, so if they're weeding things out or if it comes time when somebody needs to move, they're going to make sure those precious things are there to help trigger because they know they bring you peace. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, and that's another thing is uh, that I'll put even an eight and a half by 11 story history of mom or dad on their wall in the room if they're in residential care, mm-hmm. even if they're at home and they have care staff coming in so that people know who this person was that they love to horseback ride or that they, you know, that they did this or that. It's just, uh, you know, 
uh, I think it's so important and it gives it gives depth to who that person is and it maybe makes the the care uh, carried uh, think a little bit more about who they are as an individual treat them a little bit differently yep yep that they're still a person and yeah and, and had a life no you have kind of five key principles that you help people focus on um, when you when you go through kind of a support meeting with them can you highlight those for us well, one of the things that I say is that um, it's really important to be curious. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, as long as we're, uh, as long as we're here on this earth, it's important to be curious to know what's going on. And one of the, one of the things that I think is important to do is to just keep an eye in the newspaper, even for mm -hmm. example, and check out what's happening in the seniors realm. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you're not even anywhere near there yet. But what are seniors talking about in the mm -hmm. newspaper, you know? Yes. So it just kind of is starting to arm you with, uh, with uh, information. And then, and then I talk about uh, being prepared to take action. And mm -hmm. uh, again, it doesn't have to be immediate, but it's uh, something that you need to know that down the road things may change. And mm -hmm. uh, it's important that, that you're prepared to fit into that and in your way because you can, you can create what you want. And then um, reframing, you have to reframe the way you think. So these are the broad pictures. This is, this is not the, the actual information, but this is the broad picture that we're looking at here. And, um, you know, do you need as big of a house to live in? Do you need, uh, what would happen when you're not uh, uh, driving anymore? And it's okay. Instead of, instead of driving, you can take a cab or do, you know, there's lots of mm -hmm. other things you can do. Um, Self-awareness. And again, I talk about the cooking and the cleaning and, um, you know, that sort of thing and making your own decisions. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the radical collaboration, that's the fifth one. And that's about, uh, you know, knowing that um, you work together, uh, you know, you, you can do a better work as a team than as one person. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So those, that's the big picture. And then, and then on the smaller scale, I'm looking at who your support network is, um, what your chronic illnesses are, your, your history there. And, and about, um, uh, we talk about housing options, uh, and, uh, your, your finances and mm -hmm. just what the big, what the, um, you know, we do a, just a big picture of the finances income asset summary. So we can look at what type of housing uh, might be appropriate for you if you want to stay in your own home and what the costs are going to be mm -hmm. and then you know do you have your wills up to date and your your rep agreements and and that sort of thing and then I point people into the right direction you know to because I'm not the professional that's going to be doing their wills or their mm -hmm. rep agreements you know and so you have to uh, uh, have the contacts to and and the knowledge of the different types of housing and whatnot for people yeah. Yeah, And I think so many people have to realize, too, because I think this is a myth out there, too, that that everyone who, um, you know, gets dementia has has a, a care partner that's going to take care of them. And there's a lot of people living alone. You Absolutely. know, there's a lot of lot of people that get a chronic illness or break a hip or whatever it might be that don't have anybody who, that haven't built kind of that clan. Yes. You know, to support yeah. themselves. Yeah. And this is even more critical, yes. you know, for them. Yeah. You know, and I find that, um, you know, a lot of my calls are from women who, mm -hmm. who have never married or who are divorced or, you know, don't have children or are estranged from their children. You know, there's so many different uh, scenarios. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really quite shocking to think that we've gotten ourselves into this position in a sense, um, you know, uh, that we're not prepared financially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, many people are not prepared financially and um, emotionally and, and, you know, so it's good to have somebody to talk to about it and, and uh, you know, somebody who is uh, uh not biased yeah is, is just open-minded and not uh pushing you in one direction or another yeah and it has and has the resources and the knowledge base and yeah. and it has been there i mean so like you know a lot of times you, you can talk to a person who's never been through it 
but they've been trained on it. Yeah. And, and there's a whole different level of empathy and compassion, I think, that comes from someone who's lived it and breathed it and struggled yes. with it and felt the joys of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it is very different. And yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's important for people to, to plan and, and navigate what they want their life to look like at all ages, like in stages of life. And, yeah. You know, um, so many look at, well, you know, it's, it's just, it's the end of life, you know, and that's the way it goes. But, um, you know, with my mom, I mean, they told her, you know, she'd live, you know, maybe seven years and she lived 30. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> well, and the same thing with dad. I'll, I'll mm -hmm. just a quick little story. He was in the hospital and in, in uh, recovering from this brain injury for a mm -hmm. year. And uh, they said he may live two years, he'll never eat again, and he'll never walk again. So you can imagine slumped over in a wheelchair with a feeding tube. Yep. Well, um, and the actuary, because there was a court case, said he may live seven years. Mm -hmm. Well, and in fact, he lived 15 years because he had me. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, you know, a loving daughter is, is really great. But to have a voice, an advocate, somebody to be able to speak up for you. And he walked within, within six months, and he was eating full meals within, um, within a month. Mm -hmm. you know, they say you'd never have those, uh, those two abilities again, you know, wow. so it just goes to show you how, uh, and he wanted to live, you know, he mm -hmm. was a fighter. So, um, you know, he, uh, he wasn't living independently, but he was very happy, uh, in his, uh, residential care and, and, uh, you know, it's, but that's why people need an advocate. They need a voice. They need somebody who can speak up for them on their terms. Mm -hmm. on their terms is very important. And not somebody who's going to be out there creating enemies all along the way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and closing doors instead of opening doors. Well, and there's so many people that really um, do much better living in community. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just give an example. Again, this goes back to my real estate days. But I, I would, you know, get people who had lived in a home alone for years and years, spouse had passed away, kids had, had moved away, and they thought that they were perfectly content and they felt that they were very independent living in that, in that house. And they did not want to go into a community setting. And yet once they got in that community setting, the family said this, we have our old, we have our old mom back, you know, or we've never seen her like this uh, yes. because they turn into this social butterfly yes. because I think neighborhoods used to be different. You know, when I grew up, everybody knew everybody. Wow. It was an open door policy on everybody's house in a four block radius. I mean, yes. you could get, you could get a sandwich or go potty or get a cut fixed or get a ride from anybody, you know? Yeah. And you know, if somebody was sick, there was a neighbor shoveling the snow or cutting the grass or bringing over a meal. It was, it was really quite different than, than what our lives are like now. Yeah. And so, but when, when we go from that transformation to this really close knit community and things gradually change over time, we don't even know they've changed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until we get back in where there's that sense of community again. And then it's like, oh, this is what it was like. And this is what I've been missing. And I didn't even know I missed it because it slipped yeah. away so well, slowly. Isolation is really insidious. You know, mm -hmm. it just kind of sneaks up on us. And we, you know, we say, no, we don't need this. No, we don't need that. But like you say, when, when you change, when you change, when you reframe, when you change where you are, mm -hmm. it'll, a whole new world for you yep. you know often or you can choose to stay private and mm -hmm. and in your own space but yep. you know, it's it's good to it's good to be in that atmosphere because even if even if you um have to come out for your meals only mm -hmm. um it it creates some sense of engagement mm -hmm. and uh you know is is helpful yeah uh, and that there is yeah, and you just might make um, a friendship with that one very unique person. It might not be everybody that you're going to, but it might just be, you know, and life is a is a numbers game. Yeah. You know, it just, it truly is. So I think, you know, what you're doing is so important for people. Um, and it's, it's, it's scary and it's stressful, um, but it can be fun and exciting as well. Uh, but like you said, a lot of it is kind of changing and reframing the mind frame.
mm-hmm. of why you're doing this and looking at this will allow me to live a better life because mm-hmm. because nobody wants to push ahead for an ickier life you know <laughs> no and so that doesn't change in the later stages and I always tell people you know stop stop looking at it as as end of life and just look at it as the next stage of life because that's yeah. just really what it is and you don't know how many other stages there'll be after this move or this change either none of us exactly. do no that's right and and um you know, if you can live it in a peaceful, happy manner with respect and dignity for yourself and from others, then mm-hmm. it's really, it really, uh, I think it really makes a difference to to our whole, it's all part of our well-being. Mm-hmm. I have this uh, one um, woman, uh, older person who she's just great. I love her to bits. And she says, I never ask anybody their age. She said, I just ask them the year they're born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she's really good with the numbers and she says and they say well I was born in 1925 and she says well I beat you I was born in 1923 <laughs> 95 right oh it's too funny it's just, you know you just gotta find the little sense of humor here and there and and um and just the joy you know there is joy um you know as much as they say you know it's coming to the end or it's the the um you know i don't know there's all sorts of oh warehouse oh it's an awful term but uh you know that's what some of them jokingly like to say well we're in the warehouse now and uh you know i'm just thinking well you know you could say that or you could say you're in a health spa mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah the term I like to use is health spa. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. My mom referred to her uh, nursing home one day. She they had a oh just a real special event where they did um, oh they had music and they had spa and, and they uh, you know had hors d'oeuvres and all this stuff and and she was talking to our family saying everybody needs a spa day at the VOA which was volunteers of america nursing home oh yeah and, you know and she's talking about it like it's a five star hotel everybody <laughs> has to experience this but she you know it was just so precious to her yeah and and there's a lot that can be done you know like that but we don't hear those things quite as much yeah, you know? yeah. but but again we have to get people to focus on you know, there's, there's the fears, the tears of the joy, you know, there's the, the tears for what we've lost. There's the fears of what's to come, or there's the joy that's right before us. And we're only going to find what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. 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 Well, Barbara, this has been a great conversation. Um, If people want to get a hold of you, what contact information would you like them to have? And, and also how do they get your book? Okay, well, uh, they can go to my website, which is www.seniorsadvocate.ca. <clears throat> my phone number is 604-767-4994. And uh, Gmail, uh, what is my Gmail? You could go to barb at seniorsadvocate.ca would be my gmail and this is my book here that i've published and it is called life planning support and advocacy for seniors and their families and uh raising awareness for a better life in later years and it's just a a compilation of of um of articles uh and that i put together and i think i've had a lot of really good positive response from it so you can get this on amazon and uh oh i think it's ten dollars around there it's not it's not too costly Mm -hmm. and um uh yeah so you can take a look at that i'm in the process of, of writing another another book um a little bit more interactive than this one uh this is actually interesting for uh uh, I found that nonprofits actually want to use this as well, like community centers, senior centers, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of good information in here for people. And uh, and the libraries like it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I've got my, my planning tool. I'll just show you that. It's not for sale, but when I do my consultations, it's mm-hmm. a binder that I give you. And uh, there's a guide to using it. And eventually I will be putting this online as a as a – series of webinars for, so that people can do it themselves. 
Okay. It's, um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, people get these little books to, to create your own, your will or to your, to your, um, that type of thing. Uh, but they don't fill them in, you know, it's because mm -hmm. it's, it's too much to think about. And people get very tired of it and they don't understand why it's important. So in my book, I say why it's important, mm -hmm. why you need to know specifically who your support network is and all that. Uh -huh. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. So this is, uh, these are the two publications that I have right now. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate all the time that you took with us today. I think it was very interesting. And I, I'm a firm believer in living smart and, you know, planning ahead and having those conversations that some people think are scary. I think sometimes once you just start the conversation, the scariness goes away, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yes, I agree 100%. And, and, uh, and there's kind of a weight lifted knowing I talked about this. You know, and then it gets it gets other people thinking, oh, maybe I should talk about this. Maybe I should look deeper into this. This makes sense yeah, um, yeah. because it, it really is it really is a good thing to do, and it yeah. helps out not only you but but your loved ones who care for you as well. You yeah. know, and if there's if there's tension in the family and um, you know a few problems that way, it's good to bring in a, a professional or somebody from the outside to have that conversation with you as well. Mm -hmm. And I'd be happy to do it um, over the phone on Skype, uh, possibly on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll have to phone me to get uh, connections with Skype. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure how to do that, but I have a Skype address, so. Wonderful. Well, good. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Great. It's been wonderful being. Thank you very Great. much. And in closing, I just want to thank people for listening and please feel free to, to share this show and our other shows. That's what we do them for. And last, I just want to uh, share with you a tool that I've developed called Your Memory Chip. And that, that tool just gets us to switch from being really task-oriented to being relationship-centered when we're dealing with people. And um, for me, it, it helped me a ton with my own relationship with my mom because I was so caught up about checking off all the things I had to do and that made me feel good, but it didn't do anything for our relationship. So I had to switch and really focus on something really basic before every interaction and that was what, what was really important. Was she safe? Was she happy? And was she pain-free? And when I put that first and foremost, I found that I could do my tasks differently or some of them I didn't need to do or I could ask help for, I could release them um, or I could just do them you know, in a whole different fashion. And something that doesn't take much time, it's just one of those kind of reframing things, you know, that Barb was talking about in terms of living life. Sometimes it's just reframing our thought process to get us to the next level. So thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.